passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. It is John Pollock, and I am joined by the tea-drinking waiting. Oh, boy, am I drinking tea. Are you drinking chocolate mint tea? If so, please keep it away from my reconstructed new life form. That is my Dell. What is this? You got it back. It's all back together, Way. Let me take a photo. This is grammable for sure. It's definitely grammable. Yeah. Guy finally showed up. And I needed an entire new motherboard. So he showed up, analyzed it, and determined that your motherboard he was He took everything apart. He did open heart surgery on this thing. Ooh, I was wow. like, wow, you better remember what you're doing here. <laughs> Very nice guy, to yeah. to their credit. The, the, my issue was never the... Because you deal with the Dell head office people, and then they send out these technicians. The technician was a very nice individual, but... No. My God, dude! If he was, I was waiting for him to just give me the opportunity to, for him to say, "How's uh, how's everything been dealing with all this?" And I was just gonna go to town, but mm. I basically just stood there. So you were satisfied in the end. What does that sound? It sounds like a ghost way. Oh, that's my mother. That's your mom singing. Yeah. Oh, that's your mom singing. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. She's a singer. Wow. She's it's very nice. Yeah, it's, she's it's, an operatic singer. Wow. It's yeah. an ambient sound. Yeah. You're, you're you're gonna get a lot of that. I love the the hours your family keeps. Like you guys don't have normal Dude, hours. You know what I've realized? It's midnight right now. You know what I realize? Um, I don't think we, I think we're like permanently jet lagged from our. Moved from Hong Kong. You've never adjusted all these yeah. years. Like when I went went back to Asia this past uh, uh, month, I felt totally normal. It put you on schedule. It put like I woke up at seven a.m. every day. <laughs> I felt normal. So I realized for the past uh, I don't know however twenty eight years since I've been here, I think I've just permanently jet lagged. What was like an average school night for you in high school? Uh, when would you go to sleep? Where did God, you I don't stay know. up late? I mean, yes, always. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, I have a, I had, I definitely had issues like being late for school. Always, wow. I was always the guy running in during O Canada, um, and then uh, getting into trouble. Like I, I, I was got always that guy. I got thirty five late slips in one semester, oh. where I was just late by five minutes every day. Yeah, it was just I could never be there right on time and if you were a minute late they sent you to the the principal's office you had late slips yeah you had to go to the principal's office get a late slip to confirm you were late and they called me right before graduation stating if you're late five more times you're not graduating <laughs> and, well, I, and i was late about eight more times so <laughs> i understand fine. the need to teach that to children but they made it sound like you'll never like that i i they they they're telling me i would never amount to anything if I what? if I was continually <laughs> late, yeah, like in the real world, you'll never succeed if you continue to be late. Was what they taught us. So you but, should go back there on career day. Yeah, 
well, maybe not at this point. Now but I sleep in and I do my work at 2 a.m. in the morning. So, ha, suckers. Ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> How was your weekend? You know what? It was good. It was busy, but it was cold. And I was fighting off a cold this entire weekend. Thus the tea. Oh, I was, um, I found my, I found myself outside in a park over the weekend and I froze my ass off. Why were you in a park? In Just the hanging out in the park and it got very cold. What were you doing? What were you wearing? Um, I had my jacket on for most of the time, but I only had these finger gloves. Most of the time you took off your jacket. I misjudged the sun. It felt <laughs> warm. I have a really thick jacket. What were, you wearing, like, what were you wearing underneath the jacket? I was just wearing uh, a hoodie. A hoodie? Yeah. Were you like, like anything else? You like know. pants? Uh, I had these overalls. You? <laughs> I wear overalls what? on the weekend. What they're the very fuck? warm. Are you making this up? You overalls could really make a comeback. I think they're super comfortable, <laughs> and they're so efficient. You were you just so happened to be wearing overalls and a uh, with a hoodie over a top hoodie, yeah. and you decided in minus one degree weather, which we've had this week, to take off your jacket. Well, I was. Uh, were you wearing anything on your face, like a mask, perhaps? No, I was not wearing a mask. I wasn't wearing one of those uh, balaclavas, as they call them. In you Canada. know what I do do notice though? You have been growing out a beard. Haven't you? I've just been lazy about it. You haven't shaved in a long time. I think I'm gonna get rid of it. Really? But I'll be. Uh, the, I don't think it's so bad. I think the stubble is kind of nice. It's okay. I'm not a beard grower, but uh, this will be like a, a, a fatherly moment. But, but oh, Max yes. will grab onto it, and it really hurts. Grab onto your stubble? Yeah, he grabs. He it. can grab onto stubble. Yeah. Wow. So they grow so fast. I feel like right now it's a toy. So. Okay, wow. I'll keep Excellent. it for a few more days. That is adorable. Yeah. By the way, thank you so much, John, for your Christmas card. You got the Christmas which card? arrived today. It is the cutest thing. It's Ooh. like John's first family Christmas card. And, of course, it's the photo with Max and Santa Claus and your wife, of course. And on the back is, like, all the, all the cutest photos of your kid. So thank you very much. He's I a cute just, baby. I, he's very cute. He's honestly just a miniature, miniature version of John Pollock. It is incredible. Just has to roll up with those sleeves. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> that was my Instagram comment. Uh, what else was, was I going to talk to you about? Uh, it was cold over the weekend. Oh. Oh. I wanted to discuss this. Okay. So, back in May, Jinder Mahal wins the WWE title. Mm-hmm. And we endure week after week, month after month, the... The Jinder Mahal title reign, which I don't think was awful. But everyone understood what it was for. People, Some people might, might disagree. But some will. I'm, I'm with you, though. I thought it was a worthy experiment, for the most part, knowing mm. what their aims were. Okay, you know? what their aims were. Yeah. That they have this part of the world that they feel this is, guy is a, is a key to. Yeah. A, a key towards growing a market. It's mm-hmm. their first step into a market. He's a heel... However, I would always disagree saying that guy was always a babyface to Indian fans. Of course. Um, that was the goal. Yes. He was yeah. never a heel to India. Mm-hmm. So finally they announced that they're going to India for two shows in December. And it's going to be a Raw tour. And they are taking Jinder, rightfully so, from the SmackDown shows to place on the India shows. Makes a lot of sense. 
loses the title last month, still going to do the India show. First it was with Kevin Owens, then it was switched, and it's going to be Jinder Mahal against Triple H. One show gets gets canceled, so they're doing the one show. They finally get to India, and Jinder Mahal loses to Triple H. Yeah, clean. This made no sense to me. I mean, I... This was a nothing... It, it this, no I, I don't want to say a nothing house show. To mm-hmm. us in North America, it's a house show that's not on television. It's not part of ongoing storylines. Mm-hmm. It's Jinder Mahal going home after all of this. And he loses. It tells me that they've really given up on this whole experiment. To the point where even something like this is not worth... You know, do you think sacrificing the, a Triple H loss for? Do you think the bad, uh, the second show can't being canceled, them making that decision? Do you think that has led them to think India is not a market we're aggressively going after any longer? Perhaps, yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely issue if you can't even sell out another show. Weren't they doing better before? This they have thing? done better there. Yeah, but they've also had bigger. Gaps of mm. uh, of going there, yeah. But I just look at like, first of all, it's not like Jinder Mahal is not a pushed character on SmackDown. You could argue he's the number two heel, I guess. Behind, I guess Owens and Zayn are kind of one A at this point as yeah. a as a package. Mm-hmm. But then it's Jinder Mahal. This guy's challenging for the title, mm-hmm. and you book a match where first of all Triple H is a heel on television. Mm-hmm. And he's facing this other heel in Jinder Mahal, who's going to be a baby face to that audience. Mm-hmm. Like, is it... This, to me, is just way overthinking things, that you don't book a match. Don't put Hunter in the match. If you're so against beating Hunter, then put another heel in that match that Jinder can win. But now, what, what damage would that but do? But now, now in, the, in the match itself, I haven't seen it. But was Triple H receiving a baby face reaction? He did. And and so were you basically de- dealt with like a double baby face with Triple H being perhaps even the the bigger star in India than gender. If that's your conclusion, then you you go back to square one. Why did you need an Indian character mm-hmm. to break in there? Sure. If this is a global product and the, your Indian audience just wants to see stars, then what did we do for six months? Yeah, I mean... They, Why was it Jinder Mahal? Why couldn't AJ Styles have had this title run the whole time and we go to India and AJ Styles is the big star? It, yeah, certainly it's questionable whether or not it was all worthwhile. I mean, I I do feel like you could have built an Indian star more organically. Remember and, when they did the media tour for yeah. India and they showed the highlights of Jinder there mm-hmm. and they beat this guy yeah. on a house show, mm-hmm. on a house show. Yeah, I mean, it, again, it just tells me maybe they've given up on pushing him that hard, perhaps. Um, I think it bodes well for AJ Styles at this next pay-per-view. Oh, I, who knows? Yeah, who, who knows? knows? It's coming up this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, we can mention now, we are going to do a show after Sunday, right? What are you talking... What do you mean? Clash of Champions? Oh, yes, we are. Yes, we are. We yes, are yes, doing yes, a show after yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, we are doing a, that show as well. We can also announce... The Christmas show. December 24th, we are back with the Christmas show. By the way, round of applause. Maybe I'll even get my mom to sing you a song for the editing job that John Pollock did. She did the vocals, actually, for, for <laughs> Carol of the Bells. That's right. 
for for the for the editing job that you did on that great teaser. Okay, you can you can uh, uh, not on your Dell, by the way. I, I had to do it on a on my other laptop. Very impressive. The one that, okay. All the more impressive. Well, whatever things people are impressed by. You significantly did some cleaning up of. No, I, not yes, that much. you did. No, I didn't. I really wow. didn't. I really didn't. Most of that was you. I gave it my best shot. You did great. Well, I thought you did great, and I think you should be doing. We more. each know what each other's strengths are. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm glad to see you branching out to trying new things. But by the way, yes, we are doing a Christmas show again this year, and it won't just be John and I talking for three hours. We will be bringing a number of our friends back. Yes. Uh, who? Who's still our friend? Who? Find out. <laughs> yeah, some people don't talk to us. Uh, we're going to find out who on yeah. December 24th. So uh, make note of that. Other years we've done it on Christmas Day. Uh, this year we're putting it out on Christmas Eve. So you will have it uh, that day. And, and who knows how long it'll go. We will also be accepting your Christmas jingles. So if you have any, I think my mom's gonna. I think we have our first our entrant right now. Submission right now. You can submit them, John Pollock four one six at gmail dot com. John Pollock four one six at gmail dot com. I like it. Yeah. That is your. Are you sure you want to give out that email? It's on my Twitter. I, I, all right. I don't care. I guess. <laughs> I guess you like. What's wrong with giving out your email? I feel like it's like giving out your like giving out your your work email is cool, but like that is my work email. <laughs> Oh, do you have a private email? I do. Oh, I don't know about that one. So I, I'm only good enough for your work email? Yeah, one, one of these days, maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe I'll let you in. All right, then. Maybe uh, maybe you should give me uh, your your work phone number as well. How about you How about you give that on air? That's that's a step too far. Yeah. All right. So that's coming up on Christmas Eve. I'm excited, Way. Yeah, and uh, we might even make a couple of announcements on that show. Oh, I will at least. Okay, well, yeah. you're going to have to call me on my work number and discuss that okay, with me. Okay, got it. Anything else you want to go through? That's it. Okay, we have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about Raw, and we'll also quickly go through the World Tag League show that wrapped up on Monday morning from Fukuoka, including a very big angle mm-hmm. with some bloodway. Yeah. Raw took place in Cleveland, Ohio, at the Quicken Loans Arena. Uh, I could have sworn it was the... Uh, I'm trying to think of a better name. This was a dead crowd, is what I'm tr- uh, trying to get around and say. Were they that bad? I thought so. Really? I thought this was a very quiet crowd I mean, throughout most of the show. I thought there were a couple hot matches that the crowd seemed to match, but... Yeah. Cleveland's uh, kind of known for, like, what? Whip. Yeah, being a, a rowdy audience. That was where... This is the arena where UFC 203 was, and when Stipe Miocic defended his title in that main event against Alistair oh, Overeem... forget that. How about when CM Punk fought Mickey Gall? That got a big reaction too, mm-hmm. and but that Stipe ending yeah. was one of the loudest reactions I've ever heard in an arena, and I wasn't even out in the arena. That's how loud it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this was not that boisterous crowd uh, would be Cleveland's rep. Uh, I guess the few uh, stories going into this show. First of all, no Rich Swan who mm-hmm. was arrested over the weekend, yeah. and don't know what. If at all, he'll be back. He's indefinitely suspended, Ugh, and I, I, I'm highly doubt, doubtful that he'll ever be back. It's uh, knowing how expendable cruiserweights are, anyway. Yeah, uh, and knowing the allegations, I really don't expect him to come back. Yeah, I mean, you have to let the uh, case proceed, but 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's not in a good spot at the moment and was just explained on the show as his opportunity had been revoked. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Are you fine with that explanation on uh, a show? Do I think f- I would have been fine with no explanation, given kind of the circumstances, really. You, they, it's, I don't think it was... I, I, I'm happy with the explanation. Because this one got a lot of news. I mean, what, what I watched this, I didn't feel totally weird that they didn't explain it. How was, how, what were they supposed to say? That I mean, this man, like, get into detail about what this guy was suspended for? Well, I mean, I didn't think it was a big hindrance, but it's also your audience is all aware of it, so. Not necessarily. It was a pretty big story over yeah, the weekend. But, I mean, think about all the like kids that are watching this show that probably don't necessarily know about it. Well, I mean... Like, they, it's just not something that I think I think they need to bring up. They recapped last week's Raw and then promoted all of the matches they had tonight. Dean Ambrose against Samoa Joe, Seth Rollins against Sheamus, Roman Reigns against Cesaro for the IC title, and Braun Strowman versus Kane with the late afternoon stipulation edition that the winner would face Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. As... Uh, Fantasies of Brock versus Kane began to form in people's minds. No, it's never happened. It's <laughs> yeah. never happened. We had a lot of first-time-evers promoted on this show. Samoa Joe is in the ring at the start of the show, and he talks about the Shield. He's not impressed with them. He mentioned snapping Seth Rollins' leg on his first night on Raw, called Ambrose a human cockroach, and Dean's been avoiding him, and he's not impressed with the man he's put to sleep many times in Roman Reigns. This also featured a sign in the crowd that got some attention that read, Roman drinks orange juice after he brushes his teeth. Damn. Ouch. You don't do that. No. That'd be awful. Could you imagine going to sleep after drinking orange juice and all that crap is... That's terrible. It's a heinous act. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the worst things I've heard anybody say about anybody. Yeah. You'd need maybe a gum shield then. Roman would have teeth problems. <laughs> Rollins is watching this backstage. Ambrose walks up and asks, what's going on? Rollins calls Joe a punk and tells him to go get Roman. Joe continues running them down. He takes responsibility for Rollins and Ambrose not winning back the tag titles last week. And Reigns would be nothing without the Shield. All of the Shield is now backstage watching on the group monitor. Reigns says he's got this by himself as he heads to the ring. Cesaro and Sheamus show up as Reigns is down there attacking Joe. And then the Coquina clutch is applied. It's three on one. Rollins and Ambrose run down. Joe has the choke applied. The heels take out Ambrose and Rollins. And Joe, Cesaro, and Sheamus stand tall over top of the fallen shield uh, to end this segment. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy the stable of Joe and the bar. I think alone, both those things are great. Joe is great, the bar is great, but together I think they're both that much better. And, you know, it's probably only a temporary thing to give uh, opponents to the Shield, but I, I do see some potential in it. I think Joe is uh, has great potential as a leader of a staple. I think as a talker, This was one of his better promos. Oh my god, the guy sounds so confident and I think his his promo is better than most of the roster, and I definitely feel like he's a main event level promo right now. And having the backing of like a very solid tag team behind him would just uh, help him cement that even further. We're gonna have some glaring examples later in this show, way, 
about some promos that are just... I'll call them my transcription style promos. Ones where I hear this and I have to write it out to fully encapsulate to you later what this sounds like read back. Joe does not have that problem. He sounds like a a fighter that is talking shit Mm -hmm. and sounds like his character. I never listened to this promo and once thought of this guy memorizing these lines or that this just sounds like such a disconnect from his character. Well, think about the system where he, uh, with which he, in which he was, he developed that that skill. He he started in our witch, and I guess in TNA he's probably maybe given a, a certain level of, of scripted promo. But I mean, for years the names had to kind of come up with his own words and work on his own style. And by the time he got got to the main roster, he clearly has all that stuff developed already. Just think though, where he could be in the WWE if they gave him a tattoo on his face. That could be the God. difference maker. How about a an IWGP champion as a, a chauffeur <laughs> who goes on to become a, one of the greatest wrestlers of our generation, yeah. and he was playing yeah. uh, the Green Hornet sidekick. Yeah. Mickey is uh, coming out with Bailey and Sasha for our first match. I don't know if you caught this. The inflatable Bailey buddies mm-hmm. fly up. And Mickey goes to kick one of them. And Bailey puts her hands up. And I can only imagine that Bailey, the way she looked at Mickey was like, we don't kick the inflatable Bailey buddies. And it was awesome. <laughs> but Mickey, like, goes crow cop here on one of these inflatable Bailey wow. buddies. So either telegraphing a turn or um, <laughs> clearly not, yeah. not down with these... Quite the, quite the subtle heel turn, kicking an, an inflatable. Th- that could be it. Wow. Actually, if you saw Mickey's tweet later about her new name for Absolution, I mean, she's getting very. What was it? Non PC. Some fan wrote to her and said, "More like absolute shit," and she retweeted <laughs> it and was like, "It was like, yeah, haha, absolute shit." <laughs> I mean, I have bad puns. That sucks. <laughs> oh my god, that is like, it's, it's so bad. It is, it is definitely worth a retweet. I'm gonna search that out and retweet it myself. <laughs> Absolution. <laughs> Look it up. I'm definitely not lying. Um, so Absolution then comes out, and Paige cuts a promo saying last week she squashed a boss, referencing Sasha. Then Mandy takes the microphone and state, We will continue to purge the division of the feeble. Then they hand the microphone to Sonia Deville, who says, It's time to put your hair up and square up. Absolution is a symphony of carnage, and the music is about to start. Which, coincidentally, is word for word what a bully once said to me in grade school, right? As he was about to attack me. Wow. He said, Absolution is a symphony of carnage, and the music is about to start. This is what I mean. Paige, it's just, it's such a gulf uh, of difference when it comes to promo ability when Paige starts and then you hand it off to these two. The difference is, though, they probably give Paige a great deal of leeway to come up with her own material. These other two are completely unproven. They don't know what they would... They probably don't trust them to go off script and say their own thing. They're only... I don't know how much leeway even Paige would have, necessarily. I, but you don't hear Paige saying stuff like that. 
I, know, I think symf- the symphony of what? The symphony of carnage way. Come on. Tickets available now at Massey Hall. Like, the, the thing is, like, these two, what, they're like a month in. And right now, I think their only job is to not fuck up. Read your lines, go out there, don't screw up. Don't fuck up. That's it. And, and you know, with time, with experience, I'm sure maybe they'll de- de- develop the comfort and um, probably the ability as well. Uh, by the way, Paige just did this podcast interview with Lillian Garcia, and I haven't listened to it yet, mm-hmm. uh, but she's very open. About, it's like two hours, oh, and she talks about everything, uh, drug use. I mean, it like sounds you, like it's pretty much wow, cool. she's an open book about the last number of years and stuff. So uh, if you want to check that out, definitely, uh, it's a lengthy listen. Paige and Mandy Rose. This was only a tag match. wasn't a six-woman. Paige and Mandy Rose took on Bailey and Mickey James with Sasha and Sonya in the respective corners. They also uh, had a little video package about the uh, Abu Dhabi uh, Sasha versus Alexa. That's match. right, yeah. Because part of uh, when they they added a show in Abu Dhabi when one of the India shows was canceled. And yeah, Sasha and Alexa Bliss had a match mm-hmm. where prior... Um, women were not allowed to have matches in the country and you could see i mean they had to be fully covered as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. um so anyway this was uh this and was played they, up by uh, the wwe they played it up really well to their credit they you know they they treated it like it was a big story with a number of tweets um and really it was all focused around sasha the baby face and i thought it was a good way to put some focus back on sasha who unfortunately they don't really have much storyline for uh, on the show itself, but this little bit package at least kind of kept her in the news. Uh, going through the break, we had Rose landing this flying knee, and then Paige repeatedly drove these knees into Bailey from the apron. Mickey got tagged in, hit a running forearm, which Mandy took the bump early. They did it over again, uh, the spot, and Booker says, they call it on-the-job training. So that's maybe what Mickey was administering here. Mickey hit a Thez press off the top. Paige then attacks. Bailey goes after Paige, and then Paige boots Mickey in the head, and Mandy gets the pinfall. You know, I mean, uh, I don't think any of these matches you should be expecting classics right now. To me, like like what Booker said, like this was like what we're watching right now. Is there a way to get these two, in particular Mandy Rose, over to a level where they'll be comfortable on their own? And I think thus far they're all doing really well, especially Mandy Rose, who I think is, is you know, out of the two, her and, and, and Sonia, she's definitely the more comfortable one on the microphone in terms of personality. She exudes just, like, great kind of, like, star power, mm-hmm. just, just the way she looks. So, I mean, clearly I think she is the person that they are focused on with this whole project. They then ran through the Clash of Champions pay-per-view for Sunday. Bray announces he's here, and then we cut to Matt Hardy announcing, I am Woken, as we went to commercial. There's now a little graphic where, like, it says Woken, and then it shatters. It breaks. Yep. Yes. Wink, wink. Uh, We had a SmackDown ad this week. It's uh, Nakamura against Owens, and then Styles and Jinder Mahal having a face-to-face. All right. You think they'll bring up the Triple H loss? Probably not. Mm. I doubt that. Well, they brought up this Abu Dhabi thing. That would be mind-boggling, going into the pay-per-view. I mean, another thing. Here's your guy challenging for your title. I mean, granted, anyway. I, I thought it was just so... It's like, well, why did we 
Why did we book this tour? Why did we bring this guy off of the SmackDown tour to be on this show? Like, really, why was well, he even on this show? No, he needed to be on the Indian show if, if they're going to tour India, but... Why? Because he's... He is the only hometown guy. Exactly. Right? So? So wouldn't you think I, I, that no, that I guy deserves right. some preferential booking? Completely. We're taking there's, him off a tour yeah. because of I know, his... I know, I know, I know. There's no, there's no excuse really, but this is what they do. They, 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 they book people to lose in their hometown. They make this so much harder than it needs to be, so much harder. We come back, and I guess they found a way for Bray promos to be more digestible. It's to juxtapose them with Matt. Oh, it felt like it felt like like you know like a parent mixing in vegetables with like something that you like, <laughs> like a smoothie, you know. So like. Yeah, like it's they're sneaking little bits of a, like a thing we like with something that we don't really want, but we have to have every single week. Yeah, it's uh, Bray starts the, uh, the promo and says, "This is nothing new. It has always been darkness versus light, good versus evil. It's his favorite game." We cut the Mad Hardy talking about the Great War, and it continues on the battlefield of WWE. Bray calls Matt the yin to his yang and calls Matt a liar. Matt says that the soul of Sister Abigail has existed for eternities and has crossed paths with Matt before. Matt knows Sister Abigail. They go way back. Literally. I mean, I guess they'll, they, they still have time to play that out if they wanted to. Haven't we now <laughs> introduced Sister Abigail or is that like a dream sequence that uh, like that storyline doesn't exist anymore that that tease of bray as sister abigail does that was that eliminated i i would think so <laughs> just like the i guess the vince mcmahon uh when he uh, died yeah that angle I, I imagine that they've seen they were basically given a second chance here and that second chance came in the form of meningitis or whatever for bray wyatt and <laughs> they, they're gonna take it i'll take it let's never bring this up again until they have to. Yes. I mean, the, 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 that Hummer was the same. I did it for The Rock. That was the same, right? Or was that something else? I forget. Something to do with the Hummer. When they see fit, they will bring back Sister Abigail. You know, when they have somebody maybe that they can hire to actually play a convincing Sister Abigail. Maybe it's going to be Lita. <laughs> that would be amazing. I mean, we need some connective tissue here. That would be here. amazing, yeah. So... Uh, Bray calls Matt a jester. He is a king, and only one of them can survive. And Matt says they shall delete them. And then we go back and forth of each laughing. This is all well and good. I think, like, you know, Matt is all of a sudden incredibly fresh now. Um, maybe one of the most interesting things on the show. Um, I'd love to see him actually get out of the that curtained room and, like, do some of the cool stuff that, that he's been... He's he's done at the Hardy compound, you know. Go bring bring cameras up to the Hardy compound and shoot some stuff, you know. Uh, it just feels like now all they're having him do is to come in during shoot day and cut a promo in front of in front of a wrinkled backdrop. And I mean that's nice. It's great for the two weeks, but I hope like in the weeks ahead, because they have a lot of time to fill until the Rumble. I I, I hope to see a lot more of that creativity that I think the character is known for. Yeah, it's going to be interesting how they uh, they move forward with this uh, because this is obviously building to something big with with Bray and Matt Hardy and whether it's at the Royal Rumble if this can hold. It's a off. lot of time, man. Yeah, it's it more is than, more than a month. 
Maybe we could get Christmas at the Hardy compound. <laughs> Please. We've done. got Ron Christmas night. Like, what's, you know, I, I can't, uh, like, there's just so much potential, man. Like, Matt shouldn't even be at TV. Like, his job should just be to stay at home, film vignettes with his son and wife and, and his father-in-law. That's it. They recapped the Enzo and Nia Jax angle from last week. Enzo's in the locker room staring at his title, and he's with Drew Gulak. And the WWE, this is where Gulak announces they have revoked Rich Swan's opportunity. And there is a second chance match tonight. A second chance four-way. And then the winner of that four-way will face Gulak next week on Raw. And the winner of that match will face Enzo. So we've delayed that championship match. Or at the, least the yeah the title. This match. number one contendership could have its own Wikipedia entry now. It's, it's really com- complicated yeah, it where we have deep. got to just to get a challenger for Enzo. It's like the G1. It's yeah, it's pretty complex. Yeah. Uh, so Enzo lists off some of the different cruiserweights and in dropping names mentions Nia Jax and Gulak points this out and then feels it's a lesson that he needs to be ready for anyone. And not that Enzo has Nia Jax on his mind. So Enzo mm-hmm. has a thing for Nia. Mm-hmm. And the question is, does Nia have the same feelings for Enzo? Oh, clearly. She's the one initiating. Or is she, is she playing with this guy? Oh, okay. It could be that too. But clearly Enzo has feelings for Nia Jax. Or at least he's very intimidated by her. Uh, yes. Yeah. So yeah. It might be amusing, the story. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. Finn Balor took on Curtis Axel. This wasn't amusing. Um, Axel removed his neck brace. He's been cleared. Uh, Axel was in control early. Then Balor made his comeback, hit the coup de gras, and won in a minute 40. Yeah, in the comeback, uh, Finn drops, drop kicks Axel right before the coup de gras, and Axel sells his neck. Yeah, yeah. He was, kind of uh, funny bit. he was grabbing the neck after the drop kick. Funny bit of irony. I mean, they seem to be, uh, you know, continuing to push. Valor, um, who who do you see at the end of who do you see as his next program? On? Probably the Miz. the Miz. Yeah, yeah. Which I guess you could do worse. I just he just feels like he has no purpose at the moment. Yeah, he was in line for the title match, wasn't he? And he isn't now. Yeah. So he's just kind of on this show. And so the problem, I guess, was that he Vince didn't feel he was, he was hot enough for the title match, which he might be right, you know. But I don't think it takes that much to get this guy hot enough for a title match. Um, well, I mean, there were there were some key things you could have done, like the way he was eliminated in the Survivor Series match. Yeah. Then it was the the loss to Kane that I think was the night after mm-hmm. that. I mean, right. there was coming th- off that AJ match, I think he had a lot of momentum. Like there was such a, um, you know, him getting a big win, even not it doesn't have to be your sole survivor at the Survivor Series. He pins Cena, or sure. he gets a major win, even in the fact his team loses. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel this is a character the audience wants to get behind. They just want a reason to get behind him. And mm-hmm. facing Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas, it's... Well, or even The Miz. Like, how much is that going to do for him? But prove me wrong, you know? Like, The Miz is actually... He's very talented, so... Then we went into the darkly lit room that housed our mayoral candidate, Kane. Braun. Tonight, you and I step into the abyss... A place normal men fear to tread, but you and I aren't exactly normal, are we? We both know what it feels like to squeeze a man's throat until he surrenders his will to fight. So tonight, 
I will delight, as I enter the abyss with a fellow monster. But it is I who will climb out alone, and with a smile across my face, because I know I will have crushed more than your throat. And I will know, this was, it was at this point that I realized this is too damn long. I will know that for the first time ever, I will compete with Brock Lesnar. And at the Royal Rumble, I will become Universal Champion. Next time you take the effort to, like, transcribe a promo like that, I hope you can type it into Notepad and Instagram a photo of it. <laughs> or tweet a photo of it, because I think the, it'd be funny to see all this stuff in print. Dude, imagine having to memorize oh this. Oh, my God, I know. Well, hey, he's a smart man. Oh, my gosh. He has a high IQ. Uh, the thing is, though, this is Kane. And Kane needs to talk like that. Kane can get away with this Kane stuff. should not talk like a real person, okay? Take, Kane needs to talk like, uh, whatever, Jacob Goodnight, like, the most ridiculous thing. And I do feel like now, more, more than ever, on Raw, they have so much space, especially with Matt Hardy in there now, for this kind of sci-fi, campy horror stuff. And unfortunately, from their track record, they can't exactly do it so well. I do feel like now it's more more important than ever that they figure out how to do it. How to figure out the proper kind of tone of camp, plus, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It's a great point that they have yeah. more kooky and supernatural characters Damn, than you, you in a long time. You can make a whole division, okay? But forget 205 Live. Oh, yeah. Give me, like, a, like East, sci-fi, you know? Give me, like, ECW on sci-fi. No, don't give me that. But, like, give me, you know, give me, like, a, the Mad Hardy division. You center it around Matt Hardy, and you have opponents like Kane, like uh, 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 Bray Wyatt. Bring in the, uh, the Ascension. Bring in the, the Bludgeon Brothers. You know all the ridiculous, campy shit, and it could be a lot of fun. But unfortunately, I don't. I don't have that much, um, you know, faith in, in in their ability to do stuff like that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Sheamus and Seth Rollins was our next match. Rollins landed a suicide dive right away. Sheamus then took over when they got back into the ring. Sheamus is working on his leg. Rollins had a sling blade and a blockbuster and then clotheslined Sheamus to the floor. Rollins is on the apron and Sheamus drills him with this knee and sends him to the floor. They go through the commercial. Sheamus then places Rollins on the top turnbuckle, grabs his leg, and just torques it, sending him right into the mat. It's like a, an arm drag, but with the leg. Yeah. This guy, Rollins is nuts, man. Like, if I had reconstructive surgery on a spot like that for just a nothing it, it, it looked cool but I would never be just handing my knee over like that and saying yeah yeah just throw it the whole match was like working the knee like me like like wincing at like wow like even if this man had a perfectly healthy knee I'd, I would be worried but um yeah maybe he the, he the wrestlers know tricks that common folk don't so then we uh, we continued here. He applied a stretch muffler, put on a clover leaf. Man, this stretch muffler, like uh, Rollins reversed out of it with a hurricane rana, and he landed right on his head, like right on right on his head. Um, the guy was obviously fine, you know. Continued the rest of the match, but man, it looked rough. <laughs> Rollins doesn't care. He's just like <laughs> he was the guy that came back. I-, I would say the most reckless was Brian after. His neck injury, where he came back and he told Luke Harper, "Yeah, give me a half Nelson suplex right on my neck. I want to see how it holds up." Mm. Rollins would be number two. Mm. Sheamus gets stopped on top. Rollins 
It's a superplex into a falcon arrow. What I loved was that he was hopping on the leg before executing the falcon arrow and, and then uh, selling it after before the pinfall. I mean, it's, it's, completely, it's a completely ridiculous <laughs> physics. Like, you hurt your leg. How are you going to lift the man up for falcon arrow? One rotation into a falcon arrow. Okay. But still, like, it's, you know, like, you sell it and I'll buy it. That's it. Okay, the part the part I liked was Rollins ducked a brogue kick, super kicked him, and then hit the knee, as it's called, and used the, the good knee. Graves called it something like the arm drag knee. Is that what he called it? The arm drag something knee? Something like that, yeah. I just heard Cole say the knee, mm. which is very menacing. And uh, Rollins got the win here. I thought a really good match, man. Um, you know, maybe because it felt so real. Um, I, I thought Seth and Sheamus were both awesome here. I think, I think Sheamus has had quite the comeback this year. You know, like by the way, is he injured? I mean, clearly the, not. According, the the report match. that was in the Observer last week was concerning that he's dealing with spinal stenosis, which is what Austin had, which is what yeah. Edge had. Um, and I heard he was really protected in the in the weekend on the house shows. Yeah, so it's like he's working. But then the guy has a match like this. Like, like who knows how severe yeah. um, his... But spinal stenosis, like, it's a narrowing of the spine. Yeah. And it's like, when Edge was, like, bad enough, they were like, you're, you're not coming back. We're not mm -hmm. clearing you. Mm -hmm. um, so that's definitely concerning if, if you... If you have spinal stenosis, obviously not concerning enough. Because man, the guy like the guy Dude, just, was doing a rolling fireman's carry here. The man just has like a, a great hard hitting style that I think because he's been so I think ah his character has been so awful for such a long time that it's it's almost really tough for him to recover. But I think he's he and Cesaro are doing an awesome job of it, and I think we're at the point now where like I'm I'm starting to really appreciate Sheamus matches. I'm starting to enjoy a lot of them. I, I think as well, I mean, and this can go across the board, I think it's harder now to stand out just from good wrestling matches. You're right. seeing a quality we've we've never seen before, yeah. this consistent level mm -hmm. that I would argue today, you're better off, you'll stand out more from an, a phenomenal promo yes. than this match 10 years ago is probably one of the best Raw matches on TV for the year. Mm -hmm. And this is a match that... It this was very was good. Even, this wasn't even a match of the night. This wasn't even a match of the night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that just tells you where the quality is, and it just becomes tougher to break through the pack with just a good wrestling match when you're getting yeah. so much great wrestling. Mm -hmm. That's why I think there's a real opening for... If you, you're a guy that can talk, I think that can really separate you from, from others. To differentiate yourself, yeah. Renee is backstage with uh, her honeymoon companion and asks about his strategy. And Ambrose says it's avoiding being kicked in the face, avoid the coquina clutch from Joe, and avoid speaking about his strategy. He's overheated and overexcited and wants to get his hands on Joe and plugs that this is the first time ever that the two are meeting. Drew Gulak then joins the commentary and he shakes hands with Mr. T. Mr. Cole and Mr. Graves. And then Cedric Alexander took on Tony Nese, Mustafa Ali, and Arya Davari. And they got just over 13 minutes here. Do you know what the T stands for? It's just Booker T. Okay. That's it. Cool. Uh, Cole just says... I'm just Googling. He repeats uh, about Rich Swan having his <laughs> do opportunity you know, do, you, do, you know, do you actually know what the T stands for? Uh... 
I feel you're going to say it and it'll come back to me. What is it? Teal. I think I did know that. Yeah. Teal. I would have never guessed it. Well, there you go. Cool. Maybe that should be his name. His full name on, on commentary. Booker Teal. Booker T. Is that, is that, is, let me see. Yeah. Okay. Teal. Cool. Nice runs Alexander into the turnbuckle face first, and he went in really hard into this turnbuckle. Um, Cole asks Gulak, do they call him Tony Abs because of his eight abs? And Gulak responds, yes, that's a great observation. (laughs) (laughs) Nice hit this rolling uppercut to Ali on the turnbuckle. He back elbows Nice off the turnbuckle, hits an inverted 450. Alexander makes the save. Gulak calls it a disgusting move during the replay. Nice then hits him with an elbow, slaps Alexander, but then gets caught with the Spanish fly and a lumbar check. But Davari sends Alexander to the floor, tries to steal the pin, but can't. Then Tony Nice hits a Fosbury flop, and Cole points out he's, he's breaking the no-fly zone rule. And Gulak defends his buddy, saying mm-hmm. he was falling. He was using gravity to his advantage, <laughs> was which was one of the best lines of the night. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Nice hit a running knee to Alexander. Ali broke it up. And then it finished with a handspring in Zaguri by Alexander to Davari. Nice got sent off the apron. He followed with the lumbar check. And Cedric Alexander pinned Arya Davari. So we'll get Alexander and Gulak next week at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Wow. Well, uh, again, I thought some really great stuff from the Cruiserweights this week. I'm surprised they gave them this much time between uh, two two blocks of the show. Unfortunately, the crowd was not into this one. No, I mean, it was just like last week. And considering, you know, how much the, the how poorly the match did in the ratings last week, I was really surprised that they continued to give them this much time, but maybe they just don't have that much alternative. Um, but, I, you know, it's they, they planned so many spots in the match that depended on crowd reaction. Like they played, they did a fry Takayama spot that didn't work last week. And again, like it's kind of depressing to watch a fry Takayama spot without crowd reaction. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's just like watching a comedian bomb. You know what I mean? And then like the, you know, other visuals like a two on one uh, with the heels on Mustafa Ali that, that received no reaction from the crowd too. It's kind of unfortunate, but you know, what are you going to do? Just, I try to like now. I try to watch the matches with the sound off. I just imagine that I'm, I'm doing that. Don Fry on commentary for 205 Live would be Ooh, awesome. That's what they should do. That would be great. Yeah, uh, Cedric versus Gulak next week. I think. I mean, obviously, I, it probably will be Gulak. Um, things can change at any moment. You know, maybe Cedric will get really hot, and he'll win. And they'll change their mind. But I doubt it. I think it looks like it'll be Gulak and Enzo. Charlie interviewed Alexander inside the ring. He said he's going to take full advantage of the second chance. Gulak's next, and then he'll become the cruiserweight champion. Enzo's backstage with Gulak says he will, and Gulak says he's going to become cruiserweight champion. But then just calls it friendly trash talk with Enzo. We're wearing the same hoodie. I just realized. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, you're such nerds. Enzo says they're not friends. Gulak works for him, and he's lucky to be a passenger on the Zo train. And he's got one word to describe his PowerPoint presentations, and Gulak assumes the word is informative. But Enzo gets distracted because Naya Jax appears. Naya compliments Drew on his PowerPoint presentations, and Enzo agrees, calling them informative. And Naya tells Enzo that they should talk when he's not so busy. And I'm thinking, is he that busy? He's done. 
He had two segments backstage with Drew Gulak, and that was it. He's very free tonight. Gulak's the busy one. Gulak was in, like, almost every Cruiserweight segment on this show. Yeah, I mean, even Nia, I mean, she had... She had a. She's not doing she she had an option later in the show. Yeah. She could have been part of that, but I'll tell you what I did this week. I started watching Total Divas this, this season. Oh boy, I, I saw the the ads for this week where mm. Lana threatens to shave Natalia bald. Oh, and wow. I don't want to give out any spoilers, but I don't think she does. No, I don't think so either. Um, but Nia Jax is uh, of course featured on this season along with uh, Carmella and uh, Alexa, who are both uh, new additions to the cast. And I'll tell you, like, seeing this storyline that they're doing with Enzo and Naya, it seems far more fitting for her real personality than the monster she's been trying to portray since her debut. Like, Naya... <coughs> excuse me. They're trying to do both now with her. Uh, because in that and, segment later, they yeah. position it as, like, this is Naya coming... That whole segment was built around Naya later True. in the ring. She still is a monster in the ring. But at least, like, in the backstage segments, she seems almost a lot more comfortable, in my opinion, because if you see her on Divas, like, she's just... She's almost just a natural cocky heel because she's... So they get... She gets into an argument with Maurice, okay? Uh, but where, like, Naya made some, like, backhanded comment about, like, to Maurice, like, oh, aren't you, like, upset that you're not part of this whole thing, this whole women's revolution thing? <laughs> and Maurice took it, like, you know, like how anybody would take it. Because Maurice has been in, in the company far longer than Naya has. And uh, Maurice was also, like... I think Naya was also something like talking about some something about like a gauntlet match and like how Maurice has never been in a gauntlet match. Uh, anyway, oh wow! So they get into an argument, but like Maurice confronts. How would you know that stat about somebody else? Uh, so Maurice <laughs> confronts Naya about this, and Naya is just the person, the type that is doesn't seem to ever want to admit that she's wrong. You know, in a situation like this, knowing how politically charged, uh, I mean, this is told divas I'm talking about, by the way, but I'm just, I'm just, I'm pretending it's real. Okay. But knowing how, like, you know, um, how much like high school WWE is you, there seems to be a real pecking order for like, you know, amongst like youth and veterans. And when a veteran comes at you with, you know, a problem of, of disrespect, I feel like any kind of new new person on the roster would react like, you know, like somebody new would and just apologize, even if you think you were right. But Naya, you know, like, basically tells her to, like, goodbye, you know? Well, she's and, falling in love with her soulmate then. What do you mean? With Enzo. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you no. You pretty much described to a T. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But what I mean is... Even whether or not this personality is, is real uh, that we see on Total Divas, I do feel like she plays it perfectly. And I, I think a role like this is probably more suited for her than playing Braun Strowman, which she doesn't necessarily come to come across at all. How's Rusev on the show? Um, He's good. He's just like, I mean, he's really a side character to Lana. Yeah. And really it just kind of, oh man, I, 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 maybe we'll talk more in depth about Total Divas, but we basically get an entire storyline about Lana's wrestling career, like her short run as a wrestler in the company and how... What a run it was. You know, you remember like when uh, she had that match with Naomi and then like it came out on Twitter that her uh, shoulder yes. came out? Yes, So she... They did the rematch. After. They did the rematch, but apparently, um, again, this is story. This is total divas, okay? So I believe whatever you want to believe, but um, Lana tweeted that out on her own, 
without um, any any uh, approval from the company. And so she got in trouble for it, but they liked it, so they gave her the rematch. Oh, come on. That's total storyline. No, I, I don't necessarily <laughs> buy that because, like... I don't know. Don't ruin the magic for me, okay? No, okay. I, this is the one thing in wrestling I believe in. It's total divas. Anyway, um, so, but basically, uh, you get to see Mark Carano go up and tell her, after this match, you're done. We don't want you wrestling anymore. And it's like, it's extremely, very disappointing because she, she, she seems to be working really hard, but it's the reality. It's like, she's not good enough. Wow. Wow. Well, what a... Yeah. What a finality to that in-ring career, then. Mm-hmm. Well, we now go on to Roman Reigns and Cesaro for the Intercontinental title, uh, presented by Roman Reigns' arm. They went through a break early on, and during the break, Reigns goes for a drive-by and spills onto the apron into a boot from Cesaro. And this is when Cesaro goes to town on Reigns' right arm. He hyperextends it. He's putting pressure on it. He uses a Fujiwara armbar into a crossface. A lot of great offense from Cesaro here. There was a running uppercut. He threw Reigns into the post, shoulder first. Then he runs into a boot from Reigns on the floor. And Reigns tries to come back with this Superman punch off the steps. Reigns calls for a spear and gets kicked in the head as he goes for it. And then Cesaro falls with a pop-up uppercut for a near fall. Right back into the crossface. Reigns gets out of the crossface, tries for a sunset flip, and then lifts him up and slams him into a sit-out powerbomb, deadlifting Cesaro into the air. The referee tries to get in between as they're throwing strikes, and Cesaro cradles him for a two-count. Reigns then stops the neutralizer with a back body drop, hits a spear, wins the match, and Michael Cole proclaims, that's what WWE Week on the USA Network is all about. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, these two and Rollins and, and Sheamus both both essentially wrestled the same match. You know, it was almost as if like one match was trying to outdo the other. You know, like who pick a body part and yeah. the babyface sells it and then who, has the big comeback at the end. Who could sell better, better Roman or Seth? Who could lead the match better, Sheamus or Cesaro? And in the end, I thought all four men did awesome, but this match was the better one, and I think it was mainly because of Cesaro. The man is just like he's so great. Uh, I did. I did think Rollins' selling was probably better than Roman's, but <laughs> maybe it's hard it for less... Roman to do the prolonged mm-hmm. selling, especially where it's just it's like they almost have to give so much to to the heel because you know the comeback's coming at the yeah, end. I know, and there's a, there's a certain there's a certain believability factor in in more, a Roman more... match that you know it's either going to be a run in. Yeah. Or it's the comeback and he wins clean. Right. It's a lot easier for me to buy that somebody like Rollins, who looks, I guess, a bit more fra- uh, s- slimmer and is, you know, is not portrayed as Superman. To Anyway, I think he's just a better wrestler, though. Yeah. But anyway. Um, but this, this is has- what WWE Week is all about on the USA <laughs> Network way. Or, or as we call it in Canada, uh, just week number 52 of the year. Yeah, or are, we or get, are we even getting NXT or tri- No, we don't get any of the troops. No, none of that's no. airing. As far as I know on Sportsnet, neither is airing. I mean, for NXT, yeah. it's airing at 7 o'clock on USA, and then it's on the network at 8. So, right. I mean, I guess tribute to the troops is uh, maybe just not Canadian-centric enough for Sportsnet to pick yeah, it up. Make, makes sense. They did this tilt-up on Braun Strowman backstage, and he said, Kane... You tried to crush my throat and end my career. And he gave Kane a taste of his own medicine. Tonight, Kane gets the full dose. 
And then he wants another piece of Brock Lesnar. Kane is the only thing standing in his way, but not for long. Like, I don't know if it was just this Braun Strowman promo, but, like, a lot of these promos, I think especially with Braun, they just kind of remind me of, like, those Maury Povich problem child uh, video packages before <laughs> the kids come out. Like, the drill sergeant things, you know? Where, like, the kid is backstage about to come out and they play a video and it's like... I gave my stepmom a taste of her own medicine, yeah. and if she mouths off to me, I'll give her the full dose. Ooh. Like it feels here's Mickey. <laughs> it feels just like that. And I don't I don't know, but like Braun, Braun Strowman to me kind of comes across like he's just like like a giant kid. And maybe that's like the appeal. You know, he's like a big child bully. I think of like Buzz from Home Alone. If he had gotten on steroids. Yeah. Sure. Something like he that. He would be like like Braun Strowman would be like the the biggest O'Doyle. Like, uh, he like could Billy be. Madison? Yeah. Asuka and Alicia Fox was next. And Fox doesn't come out. Instead, her music stops and Absolution comes out. Paige asks where Fox is. And they show her on the screen. And I guess she got a cramp in her arm or something. Um, <laughs> couldn't compete here. <laughs> you talk to this Roman. is the least concerning injury ever. Well, you had an official looking at her elbow saying, "Yeah, you should get that checked out." Yeah, I know. <laughs> She's yeah. It was hardly. This uh, was right after a segment after two men had crushed each other's larynx. Yeah. Anyway, Paige says that they have eradicated all the women, and Oscar is getting in their way, and says that Oscar either needs to move out of the way or they will make her move out of the way. Oscar shakes her head no, so Oscar then nails Mandy off the apron, fights off Deville, and then. Goes for the armbar to Paige, but Rose makes the save. They get the numbers advantage. Paige hits a running knee, and then as she goes for the rampage, the entire women's locker room runs out. Sasha, Bailey, Nia, Alexa, Mickey, Alicia Fox, the injured Alicia Fox, and Dana Brooke. Oh, she came out too? Dana was there too. No, 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 the injured Alicia Fox. The injured Alicia Fox. Did she do any attacking? Um, She got it. Uh, yeah. She couldn't come out for her match, wow. but this was okay. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, um, I thought it the the brawl was a little bit awkward at times, like a little uncoordinated. Like people were giving moves or waiting to give moves to Mandy Rose and then not really connecting. Um, yeah, but overall, you know, it's it's a brawl that I think the crowd reacted to, and it progresses the story. The key spots were Oscar delivering a spinning back fist, and then. Uh, Naya delivering a running avalanche as they cleared the ring, and then they played Naya's music at the end of the segment. Mm -hmm. Kurt Angle's in his office talking to a random PA who he wants to have the ring reinforced for Braun and Kane later tonight. You would have thought that maybe would have been a pre-show uh, objective. No, no we'll, we'll wait till maybe 20 minutes before the match. Probably just a button they hit, the reinforce button. Jason Jordan walked in, and they hug. Jordan apologizes because of last week, and he was just running high with adrenaline. He said, my intensity got the best of me. I wonder where I got that from. And Kurt responded, I wonder. <laughs> then Jordan gets annoyed that he didn't get his rematch with Samoa Joe and isn't surprised that Stephanie got on Kurt's case last week, which I have zero recollection of. And he, Kurt says he's not his father. He has to be the GM. And Jordan saying, of all the names I've hung with, 
Kurt says, you haven't beaten any of them. You'll get a rematch with Joe when I say so. Okay, Dad. Or maybe I should say, Kurt. Jason! <laughs> this is segment two on Maury. <laughs> okay, Dad. I, I, I mean, I love your reenactment of it. I, I, I wish you would reenact almost everything. I actually enjoyed this segment, though, and I actually thought I actually was impressed with Jordan's acting here and and Kurt's. I thought this was the most range in acting I've seen from Kurt this entire storyline, but um, does not take away from your 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 great ability to mock it. I, I I do think that that's a skill in itself. But I mean, I continue to be impressed with Jordan. I think he seems like a comfortable actor on screen. Definitely, I think above average. You know, if if given a line lines like this, um, I don't necessarily think most of the roster could play it as well as Jason Jordan. So I, I, the heel character he's playing, I find really interesting because it's very different from your typical heel in pro wrestling. It's to me, uh, uh, a lot more subtle than, than most. John Cena is going to be in a new movie, Ferdinand coming out this week, which has two golden globe nominations. Yeah. It's a, it's a animated. Yeah. They picked a great Friday to release this movie. I mean, it's I don't think there's any competition <laughs> yeah. this week, right? Um, maybe they're hoping it's a different audience. I'm sure there will uh, be. Kids don't like that other sci-fi thing. <laughs> Dean Ambrose and Samoa Joe is next. Jason Jordan came out this week to watch On the Ramp. Ambrose drop kicks the left knee of Joe. They go through the break. Joe's in control until he misses with a senton. Joe's attacking him with strikes. Ambrose is stumbling around. This big forearm sends Ambrose into the ropes. I think it's time Ambrose has to ditch this, the the lunatic lariat. It looks so goofy. Like, here you have Joe, like this guy throwing believable strikes, trying to make it look like a fight. And here you have a guy that, I mean... God bless Les Kellett, but I mean, he just looks like he's on a playground, like a child, like bouncing around. Like who's a, Les Kellett? Uh, he's the the British wrestler oh, that kind does, of popularized that, this that spot. But um, I don't know. I just I I've never been a big fan of it. And in this match, it was like this is stupid. Hmm. Like it's uh, very contrived. Done. Just done. And I think we can agree this was the weakest of the Shield. Yeah, matches. not even in the ballpark of the others, but. I don't Maybe it wasn't necessarily designed to be. I mean, it's, this was more about storyline. Yeah. Um, Jordan eventually walks down the aisle, distracts Joe. Ambrose uses a head scissors as both tumble over the top to the floor. Jordan puts Ambrose back into the ring, but then Joe applies the coquina clutch to Jordan. Ambrose breaks it up with a suicide dive. Then Jordan's on the apron with the referee as Ambrose hits his elbow, and the referee's distracted because that elbow would have finally got Dean Ambrose a win here had the referee not been distracted. Ambrose gets into Jordan's face, ends with Jordan hitting him with a belly-to-belly, and or goes for it, but before he can hit it, Joe hits a tope suicida to both, and then Joe puts Dean back into the ring and gets the win with the coquina clutch via referee stoppage. Mm-hmm. So what are we looking at here? With uh, I mean, they're doing the bar in Joe versus the Shield on Tribute to the Troops. Beyond that, how, how does everybody kind of figure into their programs, and how does Jason Jordan figure in? I think they'll go to... I mean, it's all placeholder stuff to me till the Rumble. Right. You'll probably do Joe and Jordan there. You'll probably do that six-man on TV at some point. Sure, sure. Hmm, okay. Well, I thought Joe was positioned really well on this show. You know, he he looked like a big deal. Started off the show, kind of felt like the leader of his own faction with the bar behind him. 
got a win on 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 this show, the only one of the heels. So he's really looking like a threat. No mention of what Kurt and Jason Jordan did. It was Kurt's birthday on the weekend. Oh, I didn't know that. First father son <laughs> birthday spent together. Huh. Yeah, I. Uh... You gotta do something with those two on Christmas. I think so. Some vignettes yeah. of Kurt at home. He's got a Christmas tree for mm-hmm. Jason. With all his kids. And, like, I just want to see... Jason wakes up. He still believes in Santa. <laughs> I want to see Jason Jordan interact with the Angle children. Like, that photo of them all posing together <laughs> was, was, like, great. so funny. Like, I want to see Cody in- interact with Jason Jordan like he's his big brother. You know, like, anyway. Lots of stuff you can oh do with God. the Angle family. Titus and Apollo Crews were with Dana Brooke. She has joined Titus Worldwide as the new the new statistician. Is that am I pronouncing st- it right? St- statistician? Statistician. 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 Isn't it statistician? Statistician or whatever. She's also the head of research and development. Anderson Gallows walks in, calls them all nerds, and then they all flee as bronze storms by. Yeah. Um, Let's move on. Yeah. They announced Brock will be on next week's Raw from Providence, Rhode Island. Brock Lesnar in the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Cool. Then Braun and Kane had their big Monsters Abyss match, whatever this was called. Braun missed a splash and Kane hit a chokeslam. Braun kicked out. Kane mounted him with strikes, hit a second chokeslam. Braun kicked out. Then Braun gets up, hits his own chokeslam for a two-count. They fight into the crowd. Strowman runs Kane through the barricade, and both are counted out in four and a half minutes. They continued to fight at ringside. Both grabbed steps, as Booker said, they're playing musical stairs. Not bad, actually. It was pretty good. Booker T. Not Drew Gulak's gravity line, but still good. They run at each other with their steps. Kane goes down. The crowd chants for tables. Braun brings one... Uh, table out. Kane then gets a chair. He attacks Braun with it. They do a double clothesline. Kane sits up. Braun sits up. Unfortunately, Kane didn't do his brother's tongue coming out as he sat up. Uh, Kane goes for a choke slam through the table, but he gets stopped. Braun lifts up Kane, puts him through the table with the power slam to end the show. Are we getting a three way at the Royal Rumble? Or do you think they'll do something more definitive? I do. I mean, this seemed to be setting up some type of weapons match between Kane and Strowman. Because I don't think they want to beat Brock or Braun, yeah. but I think they want Braun in that match and Kane can take the pinfall. Sure. I think it's possible. Again, though, it's a lot of time before the Royal Rumble. Oh, you can kill these guys multiple times. I guess so. Like, is you if if they determine the, the this this contender next week, for instance, it'll be like still over a month before the Rumble. So I, I do wonder. I mean, because they do have to pick an opponent. Um, I think this is pretty weak. I do too. I do too. I mean, I Lesnar and Braun was very disappointing. I'm sure there's part of it that those two want to have a second opportunity together. Kane, I I'm never a fan of the three way that yeah. you just throw in a guy to protect everyone, so no one gets over, but no one gets hurt. Yeah. And it's just, um, but but I th- I feel like it, you know at the end it's like can they sell that match to people and and with that match you ha- you can claim it to be like the heaviest main event <laughs> of all time or something like that I don't know something ridiculous it would be like a that. stairs match um, 
yeah, they could do that too. But, uh, if, you know, maybe they can get around it. But, man, like, clearly, though, the match itself between these two, if, without the weapons, it kind of died. It's like, not good. With, with this crowd, you know, who I would consider probably really likes these characters. But, man, like, nobody likes these characters when they're wrestling a straight-up match. The weapons, though, I thought really got the crowd. So maybe that's what they need. Just make it, like, completely ridiculous. Maybe Kane has to go to the well of an old tried and true Kane gimmick where he promises to win the title or he'll light himself on fire. Inferno match? Remember when he faced Steve Austin the one the same year of uh, the Mankind King of the Ring Hell in a Cell? That was followed by Austin defending the title against Kane where Kane promised to light himself on fire if he didn't win the title. Anyone Anyone, and then lost the the next night in hmm. Cleveland. Uh, would he let what? Yeah, I guess he. You could. Then there's st- there's stakes, and suddenly it's not uh, a given that Kane will lose. Yeah, I guess so. And I then, mean, ultimately, if you do the responsible thing and you light him on fire the next night, and then he's off. I would say if you're he gonna, becomes mayor, if you're gonna write off the Kane character, which you know they might be thinking about doing soon. What better way than he dies in a fire? He's got to burn to death. He has to. The same way he came back in, okay? The same way he came in. You see flames, and then they they come in, and they extinguish all the flames, and then it's just the mask. He's just a mask. It's just ash and and a mask. Yeah. Great. Um, Man, this is some deep shit. I know. This is how you get rid of Kane. Uh, I think they could have a lot of fun with it. You know, the writing off of the Kane character you do it so tongue-in-cheek too that no one's really offended by the fact you're doing death wait and then you have his funeral wait a second what do you do for the hall of fame the funeral <laughs> that's the hall of fame bring the casket out nah he, 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 he can bring, come back as mayor elect bring an urn yeah he's ash <laughs> and he and he does his speech with the voice box just for uh, old times yes right oh i'm gonna miss that Kane character when okay so this is what i want now for the royal rumble promises to light himself on fire if he yeah, loses yeah. he loses yeah and you know what i mean i i do want to see a matt hardy kane feud before he retires you know i do think there's a second one they have history way oh you're right he impregnated sister abigail I, dude i totally forgot he's about the that. father of sister abigail uh no 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 no, no. he would be no, he he impregnated lita Correct. She's not. He's not. She's not sister Abigail. But okay, if she was. Well, we're going with this theory. God. Wow. I mean, this Mad Hardy thing just kind of opens up the, like a like a sequel to, see no. Uh, what's that book? What's the book? See no evil. Yes. Get Mike Chiapetta. Oh God. Going to write write another chapter. Do you realize that Vince McMahon's idea for Jacob Goodnight with the prosthetic? Yeah. It's kind of like Brock's tattoo. Huh? The tat, like... On his chest. So, sorry, what was the story? Vince wanted him... He wanted him to have, like, that 10-foot penis. Okay. I mean, have you ever looked at the design that Brock has oh, on yeah, his no, chest? It's, it's a sword, but, yeah. It's supposed to be a sword, but it's been misconstrued over the years. So you're saying they could turn this into a storyline? I'm just saying. Uh, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to rescue this awful three-way that we're going to have to have seven weeks of build-up for. Not only do I want to take the Universal Championship away from you, but I want your penis tattoo. Kane's going out, Way. 
Let's put everything on the table. Oh man. my god, like the ceremony, like the his Kane's final match. I want everything to come back. I want like Katie Vick, Tori, Tori, everything. Like everything needs to come back for that final run. Yeah. He electrocutes someone's testicles. Shane. Shane could do the run-in. The whole thing. Yeah. It, it'll be so good. Yeah. And bring in a bit of Ice again, come in there. Like He's the one character you can kill off, and it would be... It'd be a spectacle. It would do the character justice. Yeah. And it's... it's uh, We just passed 20 years. Yeah. 20 years that you got out of this character. Could you imagine Kane going into that... What do, you, what do they call it? The Hardys call it? The well of, like, the lake of... Uh, the What was it? The... Of tranquility? Whatever. And then imagine all the shit that'll come out, man. It'll come out with like a, a the dentist thing. It'll come out with the fake diesel whole thing. I I just love to see it. All right. Well, that was raw. Um, I felt this was more of a placeholder show. I, I enjoyed some of the matches on it. Um, I, thought, I thought a couple really solid matches with the two bar members. Um, I feel the next few weeks until they're through the holidays, I think it's going to be a lot of just kind of... Mm -hmm. I don't feel the Royal Rumble build is really going to start until January. Sure. I mean, it's not until the end of the month, so they've got got a lot lot of time. time. Mm -hmm. Uh, New Japan wrapped up the World Tag League on Monday morning from Fukuoka at the convention center there. And I did watch the show. We'll go through just some of the highlights here. It opened up with Yuji Nagata, Satoshi Kojima, Hiroshi Tenzan, Manabu Nakanishi, and Jushin Thunder Liger taking on Togi Makabe, Katsuya Kitamura, David Finley, who presented Kevin Kelly with a orange at ringside to have later. And Hanare and... Huh, orange juice before bed. You're right. Wow, look at that symmetry between both shows. And uh, my favorite, Hirai Kawato. And... The veterans went after Hanare's left Achilles tendon, which he had missed all this time with. And these bastards went after his Achilles. Mm. Um, Kawato got tagged in, fired up on all his opponents, hit a missile dropkick to Kojima. Then Kojima caught him with the cozy lariat and pinned Kawato in 658. It's just so fun to watch Kawato. He just works at like this furious pace. I think he's great. I think he's going to be phenomenal. I vaguely remember him. From watching him at, at Korakuen. Yeah, he's... I think he stands out. Uh, War Machine, Michael Elgin, and Jeff Cobb took on Hangman Page, Leo Tonga, Chase Owens, and Yujiro. Uh, Cobb got the tag midway through the match, just suplexed everyone, including Hangman Page, who he lifted up and just went back and forth before throwing him and then hitting him with a standing moonsault. Cobb is a lot of fun to watch. Page drop kicked Hansen into a moonsault onto Rowe, and it ended when Raymond Rowe blocked a Tongan death grip attempt by Hangman Page, went for a pop-up power slam by War Machine, Rowe drives a knee into Tonga, and then they hit the fallout, uh, pinning Tonga at 8 minutes, 28 seconds. Bad Luck Fale took on Bushi. Um, this was definitely the weakest match on the show. It only went four minutes, and it ended when Fale went for the grenade, and Bushi used the mist, and then kicked him low for the disqualification. One of the... Uh, they've been doing some DQs of late, but still rare in New Japan. And then afterwards, Bushi hit a MX to Fale, uh, which is a code breaker coming off the second turnbuckle, and this would play into a match later on in the main event. 
Trent and uh, Chucky T took on Juice Robinson and Sammy Callahan, who were teams throughout the Tag League, who were obviously eliminated earlier. Uh, this was a really strong match. They went almost 18 minutes here. Uh, some of the highlights included Callahan missing Taylor in the corner and then hitting uh, a belly-to-belly with Juice going into Callahan and followed with a Tope Con Hero to both men on the floor. Chucky then threw Callahan off the turnbuckle into a cutter from Trent for a two count. The pulp friction got stopped by Chucky, and then Trent hit a series. Uh, Trent got hit with a bunch of spots here, kicked out. Sammy then applied the stretch muffler, and then you hear Kevin Kelly go, Pile driver on the apron! The cameras missed it! So we never got to see mm. Chuck Taylor hit Juice Robinson with a pile driver on the edge of the apron. That's a spot you want the cameras to get. But Maybe anyway. it never happened. Well, it Maybe. might as well not have. Maybe they made it up. It ended when uh, Trent reversed and hit Sammy with the strong zero uh, with Chucky coming off the top. They win in 1756. And this is crazy, okay? In this match, Juice Robinson apparently accidentally broke uh, Chuck Taylor's nose. What's interesting is that this happened on December the 11th, which was three years to the day that Kevin Owens debuted at NXT TakeOver and had his nose broken by Juice Robinson. Really? On that show. Wow. To the day. That's incredible. So, great news for Chucky T. I mean... And I'd be careful three years later on December 11th if you're wrestling... And, I mean, Trent and Chucky T, their team is called the Best Friends. Mm -hmm. And that angle, the night of Owen's debut, Hmm. turns on his best friend. Oh, my. Man, they missed the angle, though, on this show. It's fate. Uh, They should have just completely copied it, and you should have powerbombed Trent on the edge of the apron. Killer Elite Squad and Minoru Suzuki with El Desperado took on Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, Yoshihashi, and Toru Yano, sporting the shirt you bought me. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Suzuki used a chair on Goto's back. He also went out into the crowd and grabbed the barricade and chair, just beating up Yoshihashi. Yano then takes off the padding in the corner, and Archer runs into the exposed buckle. Then Archer later went for a vertical suplex to Ishii, but that was reversed after Yano hit him with the foam padding, and this stopped Lance Archer from delivering a vertical suplex. Goto then stopped a PK from Suzuki, and the gotch pile driver gets stopped with a back body drop. Suzuki and uh, Goto worked very well here. It was a four-on-one on Goto. They hit the the penalty kick, but then the save is made. Suzuki left the ring with Yoshihashi, and this left Goto alone with Desperado to hit the Ushiguroshi. And then, to mock or mimic Suzuki, he applied the rear naked choke, but then instead of the gotch pile driver, he hit the GTR to win the match in 11.55. After the match, Goto got on the mic challenging Minoru Suzuki for the never-open-weight title. And Suzuki said, I've already beaten you. What is there to gain? And Goto said, if I don't win the title, I'll light myself on fire. (laughs) No, he said he'd put his hair up on the line. Oh. So it's going to be title versus hair, it appears, at Wrestle Kingdom, which actually, as we speak, they're holding a press conference for right now to announce Hmm. the card. Interesting. Does Uh, that interest you? Title versus hair? Um... These two worked really well in this match, so um, I mean, Goto is kind of like Sheamus. He's a he's really good, mm-hmm. but he needs the right guys to really stand out with. So I hope they have a good match, and I think because 
I mean, hair matches are very rare in mm-hmm. New Japan that it's something different. Well, least. he's probably going to lose his hair. Um, I think for the visual, they should. Yeah. Why not? Okay. Uh, Cody Rhodes and Marty Skrull took on Kushida and Kota Ibushi. Uh, Cody's taking on Ibushi at the Dome, and then Marty Skrull's defending the junior heavyweight title against Kushida, Hiromu Takahashi, and Will Ospreay in a four-way on that show. Uh, Cody and Skrull went after the left arm of Kushida. Cody missed a disaster kick, hitting Skrull. Then there was a doomsday drop kick to Kushida, and Cody then did a springboard drop kick, but uh, then did a springboard to Ibushi onto the floor. Kushida then went for an arm bar. Cody takes him off at the crossroads, but can't hit it as Ibushi fires up, hits a golden triangle to Cody. They go up the ramp, and then Cody hits the crossroads to Ibushi at the entrance, and Ibushi sold this like he had a concussion. He was just staggering all over the place. While they're at the ramp, Skrull then throws powder into the eyes of Kushida, which the referee turns around and doesn't know what this foreign substance is, and cradles Kushida and pins him in 1223. Afterwards, Cody is uh, celebrating with Marty Skrull, and they go by the English announce team of Don Callis and Kevin Kelly. And Kevin Kelly's asking, what do you think of Ibushi? And he says, what about Ibushi? He's the Brutus Beefcake to Kenny Omega's Hulk Hogan. Whoa. Yeah. Damn. Poor Ed Leslie. Wow. Just getting shit on, even in New Japan. Wow. Uh, big selling after the match by Ibushi. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen Brutus Beefcake do a moonsault. Well, this is definitely the only time ever Kota Ibushi and Brutus Beefcake have been compared to one another. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks took on Rocky Romero and Sho and Yo. Uh, Nick knocked Yo off the apron with the knee, and they did these spots where... um, Rocky Romero and Yohei Kamatsu were on the edge of the apron, and Nick would would super kick each, and then Omega and Matt would be on the ground. They'd catch them mm-hmm. and just push, push them, them back up, back, up yeah. back and forth, doing that yeah. over and over. Um, Sho and Yo attempted Germans to to the Bucks, but Kenny came in between and held on to them like he was uh, the Incredible Hulk or something. Uh, Omega then fired up with Snapdragons to all three, hit a V-trigger to uh, Shotanaka, who then blocked the one-winged angel. Sho and Yo then delivered uh, dives to the Bucks on the floor. Romero got a sliced bread for a near-fall on Omega, went for a second one off the turnbuckle, which Omega blocked, and then hit the one-winged angel, pinned Rocky Romero in 11 minutes, 12 seconds. Uh, fun six-man here. Afterwards, Omega's posing with the U.S. title. The lights go out. And another countdown video appears, and Jericho is on the screen uh, for another video. And he's clapping his hands. It's the table. Oh. And he's on the video clapping. So Jericho had to have produced this video with the knowledge that Kenny was going to get the pinfall and win this match. So Maybe he had a backup video, though. He, maybe he had all the c- scenarios planned yeah. out. Like he had... Deep- and he had... Boy, yeah. And is had, that how you get ready for the dome? And maybe he had one like, oh, sorry about that DQ. You did really well. Uh, double count out <laughs> yeah. with the spear through the barricade. One for every match scenario. I mean, yes. you have to. Yeah. So then um, he says that um, he asks Kenny, are you ready for your toughest and hardest match? 
And then they cut to the ring, and Chris Jericho is there standing behind Kenny Omega. And everyone goes nuts. The announcers go nuts. He hits the code breaker and then attacks Kenny with strikes, hits him with a belt shot, takes out referee Marty Asami, takes out one of the young boys. Kenny Omega is bleeding quite a bit here. Mm-hmm. Omega fights back, but he gets knocked down. Then Don Callis enters the ring and he confronts Chris, saying, Wait for the dome. And Jericho lays out Don Callis with the code breaker. A rare bump by Don Callis. Then the Young Bucks chase off Jericho with a bat. And Jericho's walking up the, the uh, ramp. He turns to the fans. He yells, fuck off. And gives them the middle finger. <laughs> awesome. He's also taken Kenny's blood and wiped it on his face. That was disgusting. That's unnecessary. That's too, too much. Well, he, he must trust that Kenny lives a clean lifestyle. I don't care. I don't know. I don't. I'm not rubbing any dude's blood on my face. Well, Chris is serious about this I know, angle. I know. Um, if if Kenny was a tweener before, he was a total babyface after this. Sure. The whole as as Kenny is being helped to the back, like mm-hmm. Kenny hasn't been like beaten down like this in New Japan. Mm-hmm. So as he's being helped to the back, the whole arena is doing the Terminator clap. Mm. Um this totally baby-faced Omega mm-hmm. um which yeah. I think ultimately Kenny was going to become yeah. and he's going to be the total babyface at the Tokyo Dome. I think so too. I and mean, I, I think that's the best dynamic for the match yeah, and it, I think you got to do blood in the match too. I think you have to, but yeah, no, Jericho should bleed. I mean, just as a receipt, right? Which is not something they often do. I mean, usually yeah. if you see blood in New Japan, it's accidental. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, but I, I, I'm with you. Like, you know, you have the outsider coming in here against the guy who speaks Japanese. You know, like I think Kenny would definitely be best portrayed as the baby face. Like prior to this angle, you would have had a split crowd that just the novelty of Chris Jericho. There were being people there. chanting Y2J in this for this yeah. angle. And and you'll still probably get that amongst some at the dome, yeah. like. But I thought this was a really effective angle and a total surprise. Yeah, uh, I watched the angle, um, and uh, yeah, I think the 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 just the visual of seeing Jericho in a New Japan ring in itself, I think, was enough to sell people. Um, I don't know how great the angle was, in my I, opinion. I thought it got a. It, what I mean it, is like, it. Like, if I saw the same angle in the WWE, I would feel like we would criticize it because it it felt so telegraphed. You know what I mean? Like, even the, the callous run-in. Like, nothing necessarily felt... I don't know. Like, it wasn't anything special. What was special about it was the fact <clears throat> that it was Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. You know they, I, mean? I think they had to do the Don Callis spot because... How does this guy call this match? And now you've positioned it. He's he's always backing Kenny. No, I, yeah, I don't, I don't. So now you've created the reason why he's going to back Kenny over Jericho. I have nothing. I I I love the fact that he was attacked. I just I think for me it was mainly the execution of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, to me it felt a little bit sloppy, but I mean in the end it doesn't matter because like I think the people that are going to care about it are seeing the clips and they they're going to watch the match regardless. After that, uh, we had Kazuchika Okada and Will Ospreay taking on Tetsuya Naito and Hiromu Takahashi with Kevin Kelly calling the rest of the show solo as he says Don has been taken to a local medical facility. 
crowd was very heated for Okada and Naito at the start of this. Um, Osprey and Hiromu were in, just going at a lightning quick pace. Okada and Naito fight up the ramp. Naito attacks Gato on the ramp. Okada catches uh, Naito with a drop kick to the back of the head. He's introduced this new Cobra Clutch submission that doesn't have a name yet. Um, Hiromu does this sunset flip powerbomb to the floor, but gets blocked by Osprey, who then lands the space-flying tiger drop. Then there was a pop-up powerbomb by Takahashi to Osprey, and then a belly-to-belly into the corner. Hits the time bomb, but Okada makes the save. And then Okada hits Takahashi with a big drop kick, Sets up Osprey to finish him off. Goes for the Robinson special. But then the Oss cutter is caught by Takahashi into a released German. And then Takahashi lands a kick. And then it goes into the Destino. And he hits the time bomb. And Hiromu pins Will Osprey at 14 minutes and 15 seconds. Afterwards, uh, very good tag match here. I think Okada and Naito is going to be great. Mm. Like really s- solid stuff whenever they're in there. Naito gets on the microphone, and he goes to do his catchphrase when Okada storms the ring. They beat down on Okada, and then Naito goes for the Destino, but Okada blocks it mid-move by applying this Cobra Clutch. And Kevin Kelly establishes that Okada has come up with a counter to the Destino with this submission, which leads me to think Naito is going to introduce a new finish to win the title at Hmm, Wrestle Kingdom. Interesting. Because the Destino has been figured out by Okada. Yeah, right. Because I think that's ultimately the finish. Mm, um, and I think it's a great way for Naito to get another finish in there. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, uh, great storytelling, great setup, and the action was solid. I really enjoyed this tag match. What do you think the crowd reaction is going to be <clears throat> for that match? This was a super pro Naito crowd. Yeah. And I think you're going to have a lot of that at the at mm, Wrestle Kingdom. Because Okada isn't a heel. He's not. In certain places, though, it's like Naito is... The number one baby face to them, mm. and that was. And the do you case think here. they'll go with a full heel turn? Um, I don't know if necessarily a heel turn is where they'll go with Okada. I think it's just going to be kind of the coronation for Naito, and then I, I think it's interesting where you go with Okada after that. Um, I mean, Omega, after, Omega would be a baby face at that point. Yeah, yeah. It, there's definitely a lot of mileage in Okada as as a heel for sure. Mm. Um. And then the main event, we had the Gorillas of Destiny taking on Sonata and Evil in the finals of the World Tag League. Uh, early on, they double-teamed Evil, and the crowd was, re- after the la- the angle with Jericho and then the hot tag match, um, they were really down for this. Um, mm. They just This never, to me, really clicked as a main event on a New Japan big show. Um, Red Shoes gets knocked out as Tangaloa starts using a chair on the LIJ members. Tamatonga hits repeated chair shots onto Evil as Loa then set up a table on the floor. Bushi runs down and he mists Loa and Tonga when Fale runs down playing off their DQ from earlier and ends up hitting a grenade to Evil and then chases Bushi to the back. They hit Gorilla Warfare to Evil but he kicks out. Then there's a top rope headbutt from Tangaloa and a splash from Tamatonga which Evil kicks out of again. Then LIJ makes their comeback. They go for the magic killer onto Tonga, but he turns it into a gun stun mid-move to Evil. And then later on, uh, they went back to the magic killer and they hit it on Tamatonga, or they go to hit it on Tonga, who blocks it again. Evil hits Darkness Falls to Tonga. He kicks out again. Uh, they gave Tamatonga a lot of kickout spots here. And then finally, 
another magic killer, which leads to our third near fall in a row. And finally, Evil wins it by hitting the STO, pinning Tamatonga at 2158. Um, they got into some of the near falls at the end, uh, but I thought the crowd reaction was kind of disappointing here. Killer Elite Squad, who are Davy Boy Smith Jr. and Lance Archer, came out and said that Sonata and Evil will get their tag title chance at Wrestle Kingdom, and the titles are staying with them always and forever. They did their face off, and that kind of ended the show. But to me, it was like you did so much big stuff prior mm-hmm. to the main event that this kind of felt anticlimactic, especially for the tournament final. Right. So that was the show. Um, hmm. More so for the angles and setting up Wrestle Kingdom more than one of the better New Japan shows of the year. Right. But that was the World Tag League. Like, is the thinking with the putting the World <clears throat> Tag League at this time just to kind of save all your main eventers right before... Russell yeah, Kingdom. I mean, in past years, they've put most of the main eventers in the tag league. Oh. But this year, they opted not to just because they're already booked for Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. So they just kind of put in teams that you could at least would... They don't have spots at Wrestle Kingdom. So it would make sense that they could win the tournament and get the tag title shot at Wrestle Kingdom. But, but you kind of sacrificed the whole tournament then. Somewhat, yeah. I mean, this one to me didn't have a whole lot of buzz. I watched the first night and the last night. I didn't follow mm. the the tournament night by night or anything like that um anything else from you in general um well you mentioned total divas before was there anything else um or did you know i I, needed to no i mean pretty much it yeah i mean i'll I'll, maybe i'll speak more at length about it in another time if you ever watch it perhaps i probably won't get around to total (sighs) divas you're our correspondent god you keep covering your new japan i will cover the goings on of Ease Total Divas um, mm-hmm. featuring Nia Jax. One other thing I want to mention on the on the New Japan show that we didn't get into it was it was like we kind of talked about on Raw with like the Rich Swan stuff going on like they had to address oh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It it did feel strange during the Michael Elgin match because of all the stuff that's going on with him. The announcers obviously are not going to be bringing up all the stuff that is going on with Elgin, but even the body language between Elgin. After the match where he's with Cobb, mm-hmm. like it just felt very awkward. It's, I mean, um, uh, New Japan just came out with a YouTube channel, an English YouTube channel, and they post videos of all the backstage, uh, in the one from Saturday where there are, Elgin and Cobb are together. Well, they, they posted all of them from mm-hmm. all, all the shows, and uh, just kind of knowing what's been going down, it's really strange to see Elgin and Cobb, you know, do their promos. Side by side. Well, I don't know if you saw the one on Saturday. Elgin apologizes to Cobb. Oh, really? Saying when this tournament started, like he's pretty much referencing the messages about Cobb and kind of apologizing, saying he's earned his respect now. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, Anyway, but. Yeah. hmm. Yeah. So it was just. It was awkward. That's what I will, sure, I will yeah. say about the, sure. the match involving Elgin. Uh, We're yeah. teaming with Cobb and with War Machine. What, what, you know, could you make any guesses about what happens to, to Elgin? It's very hard okay. to say because all of this happened with... And, I mean, you, you can look at all of the details of the story. It's, it's pretty in-depth. I don't want to just uh, summarize it. But it, it happened mid-tour. So mm-hmm. they had to finish the tour... And now, I guess, it's in New Japan's hands. Like, obviously, he's lost a number of independent bookings over on this side of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, is New Japan going to take that step? He's not booked for Wrestle Kingdom as of yet. At least he hasn't been announced for a match yet. So that'll kind of tell the tale if he's 
on that show or not. Hmm. Uh, so that is going to wrap up our show. We're going to be back on Wednesday with our review of SmackDown and whatever else we're going to chat about. Uh, we'll also go through Clash of Champions, which is coming up. And ROH also has their final battle show coming up on Friday, which I will say one of the best feuds going right now that isn't getting any attention is the Briscoes, who have turned heel now on ROH television with Tommy Dreamer and Bully Ray. Hmm. And even Joe Coff was involved in this angle, which I don't know if he needed to necessarily be part of it, but nonetheless, the... Stuff has been awesome. The Briscoes' as heels have been fantastic. Bully Ray teasing the retirement stuff has been great. They did an angle uh, last week where the Briscoes went to the Team 3D Academy and just beat up three of the students that were there, and it was done very well. What did Joe Coff do? Joe Coff, um, they did a thing on television this weekend where yeah. the Briscoes come out and they run down Bully Ray. Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamer come out, security separates them. Joe Coff is out there telling Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamer to not put their hands on them. So then Jay Briscoe says, you're going to listen to Joe Coff. Sorry, I always nail this wall or this table. So uh, that's what Joe Coff was doing. So Joe Coff gets into the ring. He said, you're going to have your match with Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamer. It's going to be violent and it's going to be effing hardcore <laughs> and it's like you have awesome. to hear joe Coff deliver this oh, line because awesome. he's so angry but <laughs> honestly it's been a really well built up feud cool and it's probably just cool. going to be a a violent match on friday okay so that's coming up that is it uh you can follow all of our shows one last call yeah. for submissions for the jingles yes for christmas you can send it to john pollock 416 at gmail.com if you post it on YouTube or whatever, just email us the link. That's the easiest way. We'll gather them all and we'll play them on the Christmas show that comes out Christmas Eve. Uh, so there you go. At I am John Pollock, at Way0937 on Twitter, on Instagram, and go to John and Way4.life and keep your ear to the ground. <laughs> what does that mean? That means just to pay attention to. What's coming? Well, I know, but like, uh, what exactly would you hear from the ground? You wouldn't. Haven't hear you any... ever seen the movie Tremors? No. Oh, very frightening movie. You wouldn't want to keep your ear to the ground in that scenario. Like, what type of ground? Concrete? Like, that wouldn't work. I wouldn't hear anything. Um, keep your finger on the pulse. Is that another one? Um, oh, like a, gotcha. Yeah. Pay. T- listen to the grapevine. Because you hear things through the grapevine. Grapevine. Okay. There's a ridiculous snowstorm that I'm about to endure, so I probably (laughs) have to get going. All right. Good night, everyone.